0: Welcome back to Thrive Subscribe and to our weekly podcast. We decided because of the holidays to take a little bit of time off, and we've got some great content from from previous podcasts that we've done. And the one that we're going to be talking about tonight um, has to do with direct contracting. So, Mike, what can you tell us about direct contracting?
1: Well, we've gotten a lot of questions over the years, uh, and that we're going to address in this webinar that we did about six months ago. Uh, in in looking for ways to uh, find opportunity. Uh, to make a better margin on prescriptions in particular, but other services, without using a middleman or a pharmacy benefit manager. And so direct contracting really boils down to uh, having a contract directly with the entity, that could be a hospice, that could be a nursing home, that could be actually an employer working directly with you, uh, and to actually service them directly instead of using an intermediary or a contract with a pharmacy benefit manager.
0: Well, I appreciate that, and you know it 's interesting with the one of the contracts that we have with an employer group, which is one of our first ones with an employer group, although we have done it with hospices, we have done it with group homes, but this is the really first time we 've done the employer group you know it 's been now um, pretty close to a year that we 've been working with this employer. Can you give us some insight as far as how they 're seeing the effect of this direct contract
1: well it's it's been remarkable really uh they're They're seeing a very good decrease in their cost of goods, but more importantly, their employees have been overwhelmingly positive about the services uh, and service that they've received from us, because it's not just the medication. When we actually did the direct contract, we started to to bundle some of the clinical services and other things that we do uh, as a part of that package, things that we can't afford to not charge for if we were working with a middleman and we're getting paid rock bottom for product.
0: Okay, well, I think we should listen to the podcast, though, so thank you, Mike.
1: Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for spending your evening with us. Uh, today we, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, our practical experience working with uh, not just payers but other direct contracts in our community and uh, in, in looking for ways to improve uh, outcomes, improve uh, you know, relationships within the community, and, and uh, generally create a win-win situation whenever possible. Uh, and we've been doing this uh, on and off with different uh, organizations for over a decade now, uh, and it really can be a uh, rewarding experience for all involved. So, and we've had a lot of questions over the years about how we've done it and what we're doing and, and uh, what, you know, what you could do, for example, to get involved in some of the same kinds of things. Uh, so uh, with that, I'm Mike Denninger. Uh, I've, uh, I've been owner here at Towncrest Pharmacy for over 15 years, and uh, with me is Randy McDonough.
0: Hey, good good evening, everybody. And as Mike said, we've been working together um, for about 13 years now, longer than that if you count our time together at the college. And, you know, as we really looked at this particular presentation and looked at this title, Take the PBM out of it, you know, it's interesting because we've had our our own, you know, lows with uh, PBMs over the years. And those of you who know us um, also know that we have, you know, some uh, legal stuff going on. Um, with some PBMs and, you know, plus we've had some situations where we've lost some um, patients um, from major employers in the area because they have signed a a contract um, which is forcing someone to go mail order or uh, go to a a local uh, chain pharmacy instead of going to the local community independent pharmacy. So we've had some issues with that and, and so as we really started working with some of our employers in the area as Mike said, we've been doing this beyond just the one employer that we started doing this with more recently. Um, we we start identifying that, you know, what we're providing a benefit uh, for them. It's helping them save money. Yet we still make a good professional fee, and ultimately the patient benefits from it because we're also able to wrap services out of it. So as we move forward, we're going to be talking more about how did we do this, and and thus the the reason for it, take the PBM out of it. Now, as I look at the PBM and look at it as a middleman, you know, I think about the roles of what they are doing and what they should be doing, and they manage the drug benefit for the payer. So what does that mean? It means setting up contracts, which means contracting with pharmacies, developing and maintaining a formulary, negotiating discounts and rebates, and adjudicating pharmacy claims. But they also have another side where they're negotiating with manufacturers on the manufacturer side, they want to make sure they get their products included on the formulary, and in return, what the PBM um, negotiates is for rebates from the manufacturer. Then another part of the uh, benefit of the pharmacy benefit manager is to report information and uh, back to the plan itself or to the payers.
1: The problem that we find with pharmacy benefit managers is, and middlemen as a rule, aren't a bad thing. in fact, every pharmacy is in fact a middleman. Uh, We buy drug from a wholesaler and we mark it up and we sell it to a patient. Uh, And that happens in groceries, that happens in iPhones and whatever else. Uh, The problem is in the case of the PBMs, they've kind of flipped the paradigm on its end and no longer are they really a middleman, but they're actually selling our services on their behalf. Uh, And so it really has become a very different model and one that has not been beneficial as most of you can attest, directly uh, to the pharmacy profession and the pharmacists and pharmacy owners. And so the problem that we run into
0: um, as we work with this type of an industry is the non-transparency. And we've been talking about non-transparency, and lots of states have put in new laws or rules or regulations um, to improve the transparency. But we know that the non-transparency is not only happening at the pharmacy level, but it's also happening at the payer level. Plus we know with the reimbursement strategies that are existing out there, there's a lot of underwater max, which means really we can't even get reimbursed the fair price um, from the product that we're actually purchasing and actually losing money by just uh, uh, dispensing that to a patient. Now we've got the DIR fees that have exponentially grown over the years and now that also are retroactive so that we can't even plan for them, which is obviously running havoc on a lot of community pharmacies out there That's why we're seeing a lot of reduction in the number of pharmacies that are existing out there. But here's the problem. We're not seeing drug costs going down. So drug costs keep going up. Patients out-of-pocket fees continue to increase. Plans continue to see higher drug costs. Employers are spending more money on premiums. And pharmacies are getting paid less.
1: Which begs the question, what benefit do pharmacy benefit managers actually have? And yes, they do provide some service. But of the things that they should be doing, they seem to be concentrating in areas that aren't those areas. Uh, so we end up with, with a situation where not only are we being paid less and less, but employers are paying more and more, patients are paying more and more. Yeah, so where's this money going?
0: And we know there's a spread. As Mike and I always talk about, spread is not a bad thing because obviously as we work in the traditional retail environment and look at spread as far as you know, everybody has to make sure they make their money from a wholesaler to to the pharmacy across the whole line. It's just that in the traditional model, there's there's a service that's being provided or a product that's being provided, and that's where the, the spread or the the, uh, the markup. markup will be. In this situation, there really isn't anything that is being bought. Um, it's really they're acting as processors for us, so it's a created perceived value. And so what's happening with that spread is that, you know, they're making money or services that we're not sure really are being provided, and uh, and so the, the plan or the payer is paying a certain amount, the pharmacy is receiving a certain amount, then all of a sudden we're seeing that there's a big difference between those two amounts that no one seems to really know what's going on, but as more and more of this becomes uh, to fruition, uh, I think people are becoming clear that there is a pretty significant spread. Uh, between
1: those two yeah, and the spread or the markup if you will should should be equated to the value being provided what we what we've noticed and this is very hard to find because the data isn't transparent as randy has indicated uh the spreads can be huge and a lot of times pharmacy benefit managers will say well they're small we make a small amount of fee i use prescription on average and the reality is when you start to dig in and if you have access to the numbers it doesn't always It doesn't live up to that advertisement. So one of the things that we've learned over the years, and our first experience with working directly uh, with a payer, uh, was with a local hospice over a decade ago. Uh, To give you a little background, the hospice came to us and said, you know, we really like your pricing. Uh, We think you do a nice job with our patients. uh, But we're going to hire a pharmacy benefit manager because all the other pharmacies we deal with, they're charging us a whole range of prices. And, you know, we, we feel we're getting ripped off. We warned them that the pharmacy benefit manager was not necessarily going to save them money. Now, they didn't believe us. We said, all right, go ahead, go for it. Uh, Less than a month and a half into their relationship with the pharmacy benefit manager, they came back to us and said, why are you charging us $47 for this lorazepam? I'm going, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't talk to you about prices, but I can guarantee you I'm not getting paid $47 for lorazepam. In fact, I'm probably getting less than four. Really? In the end, because we were able to have them cancel their contract, we could then talk about what they were paying and actually see the spreads on our mutual patients, and we could extrapolate spreads on all the other pharmacies. We don't know what their cost of goods and what they were paid were, but we do know that they wouldn't be terribly different from ours. Uh, and they were huge. Uh, if The pharmacy was making 4 to $5. The PBM was making twice that. Now, over the years, we've been told that the spreads have been going down and being more competitive. Our most recent experience, uh, we had an employer come to us and they said, this is what we're spending on these drugs. They gave us redacted information uh, of their bill from the pharmacy benefit manager they were using. Uh, And so I was able to actually see And we only had one mutual patient, so I could only see the spread for sure on one prescription, but using our average reimbursement on the products, most of the maintenance drugs, it became very quickly evident That the pharmacy benefit manager spread was as big or bigger, in some cases double on average, than what we were making or would have made had we dispensed those prescriptions. And so this is an estimated prescription, a profit per prescription uh, made by the pharmacy and the middleman, the the PBM, uh, for about 50, uh, about 35 or 40 employees, I should say, uh, of the local business that we were talking to. Uh, and this was right in line with our previous experiences with uh, the same kind of markups with PBMs.
0: So one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about is you know, Mike talked about one of the local hospices. And, and so as we started developing the program with them, and it was a cost-plus program, um, they were actually very happy. The, the, the professional fee for us was at a very you know, good level. So from a profitability perspective, it was good. They were winning because they are actually spending less money on the drug bill. And we're still able to wrap some of the services that we've been providing for them around that because it's a true professional fee. We've been doing this for a decade with them now. so And we've even gone in and readjusted the pricing based upon some of the factors affecting the marketplace. Um, and, so, and they've been very good about being open with that as well, too. So this has been something long-term that we've been able to do with them. And we're the only pharmacy that they actually do this with within the area. So we feel very fortunate um, that they saw value in what we're doing. So this is something that's been going on in this particular case that Mike is talking about. You know, we were fortunate because the owner of this particular business has a background in the insurance industry. And so he was aware about what was going on. And so when he approached us, it was more about, you know, well, I know what I'm paying. What can you do for us? And that's when we started saying, well, let's, let's look into this. And then when we started seeing exactly you know, what was the pharmacy getting paid and then what were they paying and seeing that there was about a $20 spread between those two, um, we knew that we could provide him with a, a new benefit that would be advantageous. Yeah.
1: And again, the key is it's not just about drug spend. Uh, when we deal with the PBM, that's all they care about, drug spend. We're able to look at this in a larger context as far as care and services, and we'll talk about services a little bit later on. Uh, So really what it boils down to is what can we do as pharmacies and pharmacists and pharmacy owners, whichever one you are, uh, to recapture that competitive advantage that we kind of gave up by allowing the PBMs to represent us? Uh, And by getting rid of uh, that relationship, at least on a small level, at a local level, uh, we're able to then recapture some sort of competitive advantage. So the thought is, how can we do it? What's our outcome? our outcome is going to be more than just cost of drugs. Obviously, that's a big part of any decision. Uh, we recently lost a bunch of employees to a local hospital because they wanted to save about $250,000 a year by switching to CVS exclusively. When asked how they are going to save them, they had no idea. But they were just looking at drug spending. What we're talking about is not just looking at drug spend, but looking at services that we can offer above and beyond, things that are not offered by a PBM-type relationship, as well as looking at what we can do to impact the total cost of care on the medical side as well. Uh, And if you follow our blog and the research that we've done over the years, it's very uh, very interesting and very common now we can point to evidence where pharmacies intervening on behalf of the patient by optimizing drug therapy Uh, can save large amounts per member per month on the health spend. So again, our desired outcome is more than just drug spend. Our desired outcome is to have a big impact both on the community, on the payer's bottom line, and on the pharmacy's bottom line, and on the patient's bottom line.
0: And obviously from an employer perspective, they're interested in that whole component as far as what we do in the pharmacy and adding services uh, to the drug benefit. How does that impact the medical spend? Because obviously they have an interest in that as well, too. That really caught his attention. In fact, as we started talking about how do we embed or how do we wrap services around the drug benefit, that really uh, got his uh, attention. And he uh, listened more. He said, I do think this is something we want to um, actually address. And I also think it's important that we communicate this to the employees so they feel more incentivized about why they come to you. Yeah.
1: So, um, Mike and Randy. Absolutely. I yeah, just a question came in kind of related to what you were talking about with your experience working with the employer. Um, can you Was the employer fully insured or self-insured? Can you talk about that? Great question. Um, the employer started out fully insured with a, uh, with a local large health insurance plan, uh, one which had a bundled prescription benefit. Because our employer had some knowledge of the insurance industry, uh, he recognized quickly that uh, that wasn't necessarily his value. And he actually moved to extract that drug benefit on his own without us being even involved. So he ended up switching insurance plans to one that he could carve out the pharmacy benefit and he actually self-insured the pharmacy benefit and actually realized savings just using that. Uh, But with a pharmacy benefit manager involved, he also was aware that he was probably paying more than he needed to pay for that same thing. Now, the other point we should make, and we'll come back to this when we start talking about some of our strategies and such, uh, being self-insured has its own risks. And so he had to make sure he weighed those risks uh, with what he's looking to pay, what he wanted to pay, and uh, what he was comfortable with from a standpoint of risk. Uh, But we'll come back to that in a little bit. So I guess I'm going to Leave our answer there for a moment.
0: And I think another important point with this is he has a very good relationship with a a broker and a brokerage firm. And so the broker was part of the discussions all the way through. Now, what was nice is that this broker was enlightened already. In fact, after we started going through the data with the employer, with the broker right there, he said, this is what I've been telling you. And uh, so we actually have been in further conversation with this broker about how do we go beyond you know, just this one employer. And he's very interested in working with other pharmacies who want to develop this further because they're looking for new ways of providing new benefits uh, to their um, actual customers. Yeah.
1: So we'll come back to that question a little bit later, but I want to move on just because uh, one of the things that regularly comes up when we talk about this with any of our colleagues, uh, they're saying, well, you can't do that. Uh, You're breaking your contract with your pharmacy benefit manager contracts uh, that you've already signed by giving someone a price lower than your usual and customary. And it's important to recognize that usual and customary is your cash price for a non-contract person. Anybody that is uh, represented by a pharmacy benefit manager is a contract person, and they are dictating them the price. And this is no different because we are now working with a contract directly with an employer. Our usual and customary price is not being changed. We have a contracted price with that employer. So it's very important to recognize that this is, this is just a normal course of business. It's no different than any of the contracts that you have signed or wish you hadn't signed in some cases with uh, different health plans and their PBMs. Um, so there isn't anything going on. There, there is... One potential caveat, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, that I'll just bring up, is that I can't go to another pharmacy and say, I'm going to offer this employer this price. You want to you know, kind of go in there. We can work on this together. That becomes collusion, and that can't be done. But there are ways around that, which we'll talk about. Uh, so usually, customary price is not an issue when we start talking about working directly with a, uh, a pair. And there's nothing in any of your contracts that can legally bind you from working directly with the pair even if it's a pair that already has a relationship with a PBM that you have a contract with. That contract would then supersede what your contract with the PBM would have. Now, if this were um, so easy, everybody would be doing it. There are lots of obstacles to actually doing this. Uh, And part of the obstacles that are in place is the fact that pharmacy benefit managers exist for a reason. Some of the things that are being done, especially as you get into larger businesses and larger populations, are not trivial to do. That's why we talked about doing this on a local level, on almost a micro narrow network level. Uh, it is much easier to accomplish some of the same things that the PBM does in a small scale uh, and not worry about the, the, the larger issues because they will become problems without as many lives involved. Um, but even then, there are little things that get in the way. So if we're going to work with a hospice or a local business, we have to have a plan in place to handle copays, deductibles, to send a bill to the employer for their responsibility and actually have that in an auditable way so they can actually see what they're paying for. We also have to be able to handle the accounts receivable. Uh, and now we have to worry about things like prior authorizations. That's something that the PBM would handle. We have to handle that if we're going to do this without a PBM.
0: Also, in addition to the reporting requirements that we have to have, especially as we work with some of the local hospices as well.
1: So, in other words, there are obstacles in the way, but there are solutions to these problems. We'll kind of get into this when we talk about strategies. The other problem, which was, was kind of alluded to in the previous question, is that of inertia. One of the biggest obstacles that stands in the way of us working with local small employers in particular, is that the insurance industry and the PBM industry are very tightly aligned. And then we're seeing this more and more with the vertical integrations that are going on as well in the industry. Uh, What that means is, uh, a lot of times the profits that are possible on the PBM side are shared with the payer and also the insurance to varying degrees. Most of the time, their claims are, and this is true and substantiated both in Medicare and and commercial plans, is they're using it to subsidize the premiums for the plan, to bring it down for those uh, to keep it more, uh, more in line with other plans and such. The reality is when you have a plan that does that, when you try to carve out the pharmacy benefit, oftentimes premiums will go up because those profits on the PBM side are subsidizing plans. That's a problem. And it's a hard sell unless you recognize that not all insurances do that. And if you're willing to look at other possible solutions for your insurance, going back to self-insured versus you know, uh, uh, fully insured or partially insured, uh, you can find value with plans that will allow you to carve out that benefit and then take the risks where you want. So that inertia is a hard thing to get an employer to think about. Uh, and you have to understand what's going on, and maybe a broker being involved will also help uh, put those things in place. One of the interesting things about insurance is insurance, as a rule, is a net neutral enterprise for any pair. For example, if you're paying $400 a year to insure your car for liability and you never, ever have an accident, you're giving away $400 a year. If you do get an accident and you have a $10,000 claim, think of how many years that you've paid premiums on. You probably are still net negative in your premiums versus what you've got out of it. Even if you have a big claim, what's going to happen? They're going to increase your premiums, right? The insurance is not going to lose money on you. They're just going to get it back later. So one of the things that the employer and the broker were very adamant about is even though I might be going to take and be willing to self-insure my prescription benefit, and that might be $50,000 a year. And if I can save some off of that by working direct, that's great. Uh, I still have the risk of spending $100,000 next year on this. But if I reinsured that, I would probably end up with premiums that would cover that extra money that I would have spent anyway. So it really boils down to having an employer that understands the risks and knows which risks they wanna take. And they are certainly welcome to reinsure for catastrophic loss as well.
0: But I think it's also important that pharmacists understand that they do need to speak the language. And that's that's why it's so important as we start working with the brokers, um, that they, we could speak the language that the brokers are speaking. And uh, as we work with these, these employers, including one of the local hospitals, you know we're trying to make sure they understand, here's what we're able to do for you and speak in those terms of the benefit to the facility, the benefit to the employer, and how we can help them save money as well, too.
1: So you not only have to have a strategy on how you're going to do things, but you also have to have your strategy when it comes to making your sales call. And really, that's what this boils down to. If you're going to approach uh, a friend of yours, if you're a pharmacy owner or you're a pharmacist and you know somebody owns a small business, let's say they own a hardware store downtown, and you, you bowl with them and you start talking to them about their prescription benefit and their medical benefit, you are basically making a sales call at that point because your goal – if you're trying to do what we're doing here is contract directly, is to make sure they, one, understand what they're paying for now, two, understands the features, advantages, and benefits of contracting direct versus what they have now. And your job is to educate them and let them see the difference and make an informed decision. Uh, and so really you have to have a plan of attack.
0: And that also includes what we found out with this particular case. With the hospice, that was a little bit different because there's just a few people we had to really talk to. In this situation, it's not only convincing the employer themselves, but it's also convincing the employees because they can incentivize the employees, but they're not forcing the employees. And so we really had to have a good line, line of communication happening. And so we started providing information to the employer that he could pass out to the employees. And then we had a group meeting where they was able to ask the questions. And it was successful because when we actually started moving forward then, we did get about two-thirds of the employees um, from this employer group, which these are patients that are brand new to us.
1: Which brings up uh, an important point. You need to be thinking of all the possibilities. And one of the things that the employer did not think about uh, and they were thinking about just dropping their uh, pharmacy benefit manager entirely. And they still may do that. I don't know what his ultimate plan is going to be. We wanted them to keep the pharmacy benefit manager just to incentivize using our direct contract. The reason is this. I can't provide uh, the family that's down in Florida and has a jellyfish sting and needs some, some sort of medication. I can't get it to them. Okay? They need service beyond what I can provide because now they are 2,500 miles away. Uh, so we have to have strategies and contingencies in, in, in place, and that might involve involving a third-party administrator, TPA, or a PBM transparent contract for handling those particular cases, uh, but incentivizing the direct contract, in which case, uh, in our case, the, the, in, the employer decided they were going to drop the copays for 30-, 60-, and 90-day supplies by half for all of their employees that use the direct contract and leave them the same that they had been for the PBM contract.
0: We also realized too that um, as we looked at it, there's something called reinsurance where um, they're actually insuring their insurance to make sure they don't have anybody high cost. And we were looking at their claims they didn't have anybody on any specialty medications. But, boy, it makes you start thinking about that to make sure that they're protected as well, too. So we did have a nice conversation with the employer about that. So obviously we're learning as we move, and that's why I tell people is you know, don't let the fear stop you because you're going to learn things along the way. Just make sure you keep your eyes open and you're being as aware as you possibly can of all things that could possibly yeah. go wrong.
1: Now, one of the things that my partner Randy often says is be careful what you ask for because you just might get it right along the same time we're talking with employers and we've got our hospice contracts in place, uh, we had a hospital come to us with 1,000 employees and ask us point blank right in our office, well, can you take care of my 1,000 employees and their families? Uh, And the answer certainly is, we could try, but it's gonna take a bigger organization to do that. And as I said earlier, I can't go across the street to another independent and say, hey, can we work together on this? Because that becomes collusion. But there are ways to get around that. And so you can look at uh, organizations like CPESN, USA and CPESN on the state level, uh, to represent a network of clinically integrated pharmacies, uh, to do the same kind of contracting, and to therefore distribute the load and allow for a what's basically called in the network uh, as network adequacy, you know, we have enough pharmacies in the area to cover the people in the region.
0: And it might be also an opportunity then where if you have a CPSN pharmacy that's down in Florida, um, that you're able to then have that yep. patient fill there and be able to share that information. So I think there's obviously some advantages as we move yeah. forward and and that's also why, yeah. you know, we are belonging to a clinically
1: yeah. integrated network. Now, it's not just about drug costs. And so we want to talk about some of the things that we rolled into uh, our our plan, our, our proposal to the employer, which they ultimately accepted, uh, as, as adding value, embedding our services to it. And these are things that uh, we've done.
0: Yeah, and this is something that was actually fun for us because these are the things they were not thinking of because we'll go back to their old way of looking at the benefit and how they talk to the broker. It was always about drug cost. It wasn't about the benefits that you have outside of the drug costs. And so as we start talking about these services, and it's really a lot of the enhanced services that we're talking about, From a CPSN perspective. So that includes medication synchronization, includes med reviews, it included adherence packaging, um, included, you know, could we do some health screenings? We already were providing vaccinations to them on on site every year. So they were very familiar with that already. But it's these other things. And then one other thing we started thinking about is, you know, how can we get the medication to the employees? Well, we said we could also deliver not only to the employee's house, but we could deliver directly to the employer. Um, and, and on a weekly basis and then we also can uh, provide mail out to their employees as well, too And they were very excited about that in fact when we actually presented this information in the different services We had quite a few people that came up to us right after that very interested in some of the services including inheritance
1: packaging yeah, So interested in fact that they started about a week before we were supposed to launch
0: Yeah, it was very interesting <laughs> It was a week before we launched and we got quite a few of them that transferred into us So it was very exciting to see that So we've been into this now for a couple of months with this employer group. So we've been doing this for about a decade with hospice. But this has been just a wonderful uh, situation for us. And right now the employer has um, reported back to us. Everything seems to be going well. They're happy. And as we said, it's a win-win-win-win. The employees are incentivized by getting lower co-pays to us. The employer saves um, by having a reduction in that spread with a cost
1: plus. And that was a significant savings for them.
0: And then we win because now we actually get a true professional fee sufficient enough that we can wrap the services around.
1: Oh, and also we win because we picked up a bunch of patients we weren't already servicing. That's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. You know, Mike, that podcast was done six months ago, and I know we have a lot of data since that time working with this employer. But what's interesting is we look at our own statistics, and more recently I saw that the United States in 2016 spent – $329 $329 billion in drug therapy. Well, I did some further checking and found out that we're spending over $400 billion in problems related to drug therapy. I think this whole idea of direct contracting and really getting pharmacists more involved in providing services is absolutely essential to improving the health and the outcomes of our of our patients and of uh, the healthcare system. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, it is amazing when you think about the amount of money spent on drugs uh, every year. Uh, and the, the small amount that pharmacies see and the, and the fact that the system itself is absorbing a lot of, uh, of that credit and profit. So, yeah, I, I agree. We really need to uh, understand that there's a lot of savings for both the, the systems uh, as well as, uh, you know, savings from the standpoint of actually reducing overall costs. Uh, So I think it's very important.
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing I want to end with is it's also important that pharmacists are paid a fair and a reasonable uh, reimbursement for
1: the work that they do to take care of patients. Absolutely. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.